This is One Pills Live, presented by Kaleida Health. All right, here we be on a Wednesday. Chris Brown, Steve Tasker, back in the studio, back on both uh, radio and television today. So good to be back in the fold after we had to operate remotely here after all the snow we got over the holiday weekend uh, in the blizzard that will probably live in infamy uh, for a long time. It's going to be right up there with the blizzard of 77. Not as much snowfall. Higher winds. But higher winds. <clears throat> we were up near Cat 1 hurricane stuff, man, yeah. in terms of wind speed. Yeah. It was bananas. Yeah, it was, it was bad weekend. You got the National Guard and, downtown and listen, digging people out. Listen, in all seriousness, we had people pass. Yeah. And and it's it's bad. And you get into situations where you can't get, and you didn't, you know, you just you can't get out. And that you can't get out of the bad thing. You're, you know, you can't get out of your car. You can't escape. You can't go anywhere. Her crew out of here got stuck in a Home Depot for two days. Yeah. One of our crew, right here in the control room. And goodness gracious, I didn't know that until we got into work today. We got the other one, George. George, 4 a.m. Christmas morning. Boom, the pipe busts. Busted pipe. Oh, my gosh. It was bad, folks. Had no Uh, water for like three days. Man, oh, man. It's real. I feel bad. It's real. It's real. So, you know, people... And I get it. People make fun of people who live in, you know, why don't you live someplace warm? Well, you know, <clears throat> there's a lot of benefits to living here, no question about it. You take what you get weather-wise, well, and none I mean, of us have any people control People in Florida over have hurricanes. People in California have earthquakes and mudslides. Yeah. it's People in the neck of the woods where you grew up yeah, have tornadoes. That's right. I'll tell you so, what, man. Mother Nature is seems like she's dealing with a toxic boyfriend. <laughs> You know, <laughs> okay. So, so I don't want to. Here's an analogy, right? Um, yeah, there you go. Uh, we've got other stuff to discuss, and I think the closer we get to this, Steve, the bigger and bigger this game feels. I, I think, without question, it is the biggest game of the season. And I know, insert your coach speak here. Of course, it's the biggest game of the season. It's the next one. But in terms of what is on the line this week for Buffalo and for Cincinnati, for that matter, I know we suffer from Bill's myopia here all the time because of what we do and what our job description is. But there's just as much on the line this week, maybe not more, but almost as much for the Cincinnati Bengals. The Bills, as we know, clinched their division title last week with the win over the Bears. And, you know, the Miami law certainly helped as well to the Packers. But the Bengals, with a win against the Bills on Monday night, coupled with a loss by the Baltimore Ravens this week, would give them the AFC North title as they are still in a nip-and-tuck race with the Ravens, who, by the way, beat the Bengals earlier this season. They will meet again in Week 18. But you have to believe the Bengals are hoping to get a win this week to enhance their chances at a division title and come the end of the regular season. And it's it's not it is a big game and we've had, you've had big games before but this one I mean uh, this came out from uh, NFL Total Access 
and they ask, how good of a Monday night football game will the Bills-Bengals clash in Week 17 be? How good will it be, Steve? How about the best ever? Not only are Josh Allen and Joe Burrow's 66 passing touchdowns and 77, 78 offensive TDs the most by any two opposing quarterbacks entering any Monday night football matchup, but their team's 23 combined wins are tied for the most ever entering a Monday night football game in NFL history. The previous matchup took place in week 16 of 1997 between the Niners and the Broncos. Now, the Niners won that game, but the Broncos won the war. They took home the Super Bowl 32 trophy that season. This is two of the... It's a big one. It's as good a matchup of two teams that are bulldozing through the last half of their season. This is a big game against two really good football teams. In case you've been living under a rock, the Bills... With a win, coupled with a Kansas City loss, as unlikely as it might seem, to Denver, would secure the top seed in the AFC and guarantee home field advantage throughout the playoffs. Now, they win this week and then win next week against New England. They get the top seed in the AFC anyway. But if they can get a little help, I'm sure they'd take it, knowing that Kansas City has an identical record to them at 12-3. and three. So, uh, yeah, it's it's a monumental game for the fortune for the playoff fortunes of both the Bills and the Bengals this week, and the fact that it's sitting there in prime time as the last game of the week makes it all the more attractive, as far as many outside observers are concerned. There are some injury notes for this one on Cincinnati's. Side of the ledger, Tyler Boyd's been dealing with a dislocated finger, but it looks like that is as good as it's been in the last few weeks. So he's expected to be, for the most part, recovered from that injury. Then you have Trey Hendrickson, their top pass rusher. He's been playing through a broken wrist. He's obviously not going to be 100% for this game, but he is expected to play. And then their other pass rusher, uh, Hubbard, is Sam Hubbard, he's got a calf injury. He had been labeled week to week, but just yesterday, head coach Zach Taylor is now listing him as day to day, which gives indication that he has a chance to play this week and get back in the lineup against the Bills. So something just to keep an eye on there from an injury perspective with respect to Cincinnati's defense. Both of their top pass rushers nicked up and dealing with stuff coming into this game. So, uh, so some things to just keep an eye on as the week yeah, unfolds. The, the Bill, Statistically, the Bills' defense is better, ranks better than the Cincinnati defense in most categories. Um, but the Bills' offense and the Cincinnati offense are pretty close on almost all categories. Maybe yeah. the Bills are a hair higher. But this is a – statistically and where these teams are ranked, this is as close a matchup yeah, right as the there. Bills have had all year. All year. Even the defenses have been pretty comparable over this past month. Just from a points allowed perspective over the last four games, the Bengals have given up just under 19 points a game. 18.7 is their average points allowed over the right. last month. The Bills over the last month, 16 points allowed. So it's less than a field goal, um, <clears throat> which is probably part of the reason why the 
the line on this game is as tight as it is. Yeah, the Bills are overall the season. The Bills are number two in points given up. The Bengals are nine, so they're a top ten team as well. But you, as you said, even better form this last this last week. Now they they gave up eighteen points to the Patriots, and now the Patriots got a pick six too, and the Bengals turned it over twice down close. One of them was down close, so um, it was yeah. So the Bengals are. Uh, they're a good team, man. There's no doubt about it. They're they are a really good team, um, and so are the Bills. Yeah. Um, let's go around the NFL, which is brought to you as always by Collider Health, the official healthcare system of the Buffalo Bills. There was some quarterback news. First and foremost, Joe Burrow, who the Bills are playing, named AFC Offensive Player of the Week, forty for fifty-two for three hundred seventy-five yards and three tutties against the Patriots, who admittedly did not play very well but you can't fault burrow for who he's playing against and he lit him up the like patriots, a christmas tree the patriots looked like the patriots of the playoff game last year here in buffalo Whew. just they couldn't they could not get a stop joe burrow certainly was he went check down check down check down check down just through the short passes but the patriots were dropping way back and he just took it and it was it was maddeningly inevitable if you're a Patriots fan to watch that game maddeningly inevitable the outcome of that game yeah. they had they had some moments where all of a sudden okay Jones pick six got into the end zone that made it you know a, a one score game uh but man oh man it never seemed close the Patriots offense continues to just light itself on fire yeah in other quarterback news the Washington Commanders have benched the slumping Taylor Heineke in favor of Carson Wentz, who is now back in the starting lineup at quarterback as they will be taking on the Browns this week. They got to hang in there, man. They're trying. They got to hang in there. Uh, they're, they're doing everything they can do to stay in the conversation. They're at the seven seed right now. They're in. The commanders are in the playoffs right now. Yeah. And they're benching their QB. That's you get to this point, man. People are just, they're just desperate. Some of these teams, yeah, that's, you know? that's why the Jets are going back to Mike White. He's healthy enough to play. Yeah. Get him in there. He's and a, yes, Zach right. Wilson gets demoted for the second time this season, not just to backup, to third string and inactive. Joe Flacco is again the the number two quarterback for the Jets. Mike White cleared to play. He will play at Seattle. Here's the thing. This I, weekend. I, listen, I, you know, I'm, I don't know what to think about the Jets, whether I'm kind of pulling for them or not pulling for them, but just because of, you know, I got some respect for Salah and, and what they've done over there. But do you really think Mike White I – I think they're, they're making the right move, no question about it. Mike White's the guy for now. But Jet fans, you can't expect Mike White to come in and play as well as he did against the Bills or these other teams that he came in and kind of held it together. He's going to be hurting, man. He's got he's got his ribs are he had multiple fractures, messed up. So to to have him come in and think he's just going to play like he always plays, I think that's unreasonable to expect. And they need they need that from him, but I don't know if he's going to be able to give it. Right. Meanwhile, in Miami, let me know if you've heard this before, Steve. Oh, boy. Tua Tungavailoa is in concussion protocol, and he is likely to miss Sunday's game against the Patriots, which would thrust Teddy Bridgewater into the lineup 
He is listed as the starter on Sunday. So it looks like Tua will not play this weekend, even though he is listed as day-to-day. And there is a second part of the story, Steve. According to a source, Tom Pelissero of NFL Network is reporting that the NFLPA has officially initiated an investigation into Dolphin quarterback Tua Tagovailoa's second stint in concussion protocol. Oh, yeah, that's right. We did hear about this before. They're being investigated a second time. Whatever. For improperly, potentially improperly handling Tua's concussion protocol situation. That's just to say they're, they're just, that's just to say they're doing it. That's a, who cares? So that's for optics, you believe, Uh, more than anything. Yes. What are they going to do? Question the doctors? Oh, wow. Question Tua? (laughs) What? Who, what are they going to do? Who are they going to question, even if they do go down and question them? Yeah. Or are they just going to read the doctor's report and say, yeah, okay, looks good? I mean, come on. I get it. It's They have to do that. It's kind of part of their role in their part of getting this protocol situation into place. Well, so they got to make sure they maintain it and, and monitor it. But come on. Mike McDaniel addressed the media today and – He is claiming, based on what he described at his press conference today, that they thought something might be wrong with Tua based on how they were reviewing the game tape and questioned Tua, quote, with a high degree of concern and then felt he needed to go see doctors. So they didn't realize a concussion may have happened until they were reviewing the game tape on Monday. See, I had heard the Tua came to them with symptoms. That's what I had heard. This is Mike McDaniel saying, coaches thought something might be wrong from watching the game tape and questioned Tua with a high degree of concern. So there, so the coaches are watching the game tape. They go to Tua with a high degree of concern and then <laughs> – so here's the thing. I'm sorry to laugh, but come this on. is this is double CYA move here. I know because Tua claims he came in and said, "I have symptoms," on Monday, and now the coaches are saying, "Well, when we were reviewing the game tape Sunday night, we, we had a high degree of concern." So when he came in Monday and said, "I've got symptoms," we weren't surprised. I. Does the left hand know what the right hand's doing down there? Honest to Pete. Yeah. Like, it, it looks I said this on the show the other day, Steve, I know, but it bears repeating. How are you, based on Tua's previous history this season, not hypervigilant about the health of that guy? Not to mention the fact he's the most important player on the field for your offense. I don't know if he's the most important player on the field for their offense, but he's their quarterback. I don't know if it's going to look as good with Teddy in there. I'm just saying. Might not, but it might. It might. It looked better than it did in the fourth quarter of the game against. Okay, that's fair. Right? (laughs) But he he might have had a concussion when he was doing that. That's right. But still, I think it might be, and I'm just throwing this out there, (laughs) maybe they don't. Maybe they don't care all that much about Tua. Oh wow! <laughs> I mean, wow! I, I've listen. This it, 
they may go to two in the offseason and say, two, I don't know. I mean, you might think about retiring. You're going to start from scratch, huh? Yeah. Yeah. I'm not saying don't draft another one. But sure, draft another one. Fine. Leave if there's this one guy there. in the pipeline. But in the meantime, then you go out and you and you turn him a, into a bridge guy. Yeah, you, you know look, what I mean. Well, no, turn Teddy Bridgewater into a bridge guy. Well, he's been a bridge guy for or, five years. Or hire somebody like Tyrod Taylor, who will be a free agent. Or no, he won't be a free no, agent. No, he's under contract. He's under contract with the Giants. Daniel Jones is a free agent. There you go. You could trade for Daniel Jones as a stopgap. Oh, my God. Or you could get Bring one it of these. On. Or you, one of go you, ahead. Yeah, you could get one of these other guys. <laughs> Think about it. There's a ton of guys around. Carson Wentz and Nick Foles and and – Oh my the God! Guy, Sam Ellinger is going to be available. Oh, all these guys, Lord. all these, you can go down the list. There's a ton of guys out there who None of them are any good though. Well, no, well, you don't want the guy to be that good. You got well as a as a stopgap. Yeah. How good do you need him to be with that offense with all the weapons around him? <gasps> wow. All you need him to be is like six or eight, you need to get him eight games good at four and four or three and five. Yeah. Then that gives you a chance to come back, get your just, rookie in there, and you know, yeah, put the guy in for the last nine games of the season. Right. I just I saw this come down today that you know he's not going to play on Sunday in a game that the Dolphins need to have. Um, they need this game to stay in front of everybody else that's nipping at their heels in the AFC playoff race. It's wild card or bust for the Dolphins. They can't win the division, right. so. I was reminded of this when I saw Tua not expected to play on Sunday. Teddy Bridgewater going to start. And I remember the scouting reports on Tua. You know, great accuracy, quick decision maker, durability is a concern. Right. And here we are. Not a big framed guy, not good at escaping. And, and he's played. He played his college football at a place. I told you this in, earlier. He had maybe a dozen professional football players on the roster. Maybe more than that. Guys who are coming out the next year or the year after. Oh yeah. They probably had twenty to twenty-five professional football stars. players on his side of the ball when yeah. he got in the on the field. Now, not all of them are on offense. Some of them are on defense, obviously. But let's say he had a handful of guys on his offensive side of the ball. Him and five other guys that are playing professional football right now. Yeah. Playing against, what I say, dental students mm-hmm. at what, from Vanderbilt or wherever it was they were playing, you know, Georgia Tech, whatever, I don't even know the SEC schools, Mississippi State, who actually had a good year this year, but you know what I'm saying? Yeah. He's playing with better athletes with, and, you know, he looks good doing it. He's got pro, he's got Brian Dayball, when he's a freshman, calling the play. He goes in at halftime of that freshman game. Remember when Jalen Hurts came out yeah, and Tua goes in game. and Dayball calls the bomb that wins the, the national play, championship yeah. right before he comes to Buffalo. So he was getting top-flight coaching. Top-flight coaching. And he had all the best players on his side of the ball. What do you have – and I get it. I'm, I mean, I'm going to discount what he did – that doesn't seem like he's overcoming that much. You know what I'm saying? Oh, yeah. Final bit of quarterback news from around the NFL, Steve. You're All right, like let's this. hear it. You're going to like this one. Let's hear it. Colts head coach Jeff Saturday said he is going to stick with Nick Foles despite his abominable three-interception game this past week against the Chargers. 
Yeah. <clears throat> well, they were 0-14 on third down two weeks ago with Ellinger. They were only 0-10 on third down with Foles. So stick with Foles. He's doing better. No, it was didn't Matt Ryan play the week before? Yes, that's right, maybe. Matt Ryan played yeah, the maybe. week before. Okay. Either way. 0 for 24 on third down in the last two games, folks. The, the, your, your Indianapolis Colts. I think that might be harder to do than actually converting one. It's hard to go 0 for two weeks in a row on third down, isn't it? That's really hard. You've got to be supremely awful. You think you'd get a third and zero, you know, to go third and like less than one. Like, not even by penalty did you get one. Do you know what I oh, mean? Oh, that's right. I didn't think You didn't even that. get one via that's penalty. That's right. Like, it's really hard to not convert a third down in two consecutive weeks. They don't even have the excuse of, well, we only had six third down opportunities this week. You had 14 and 10. And you didn't get any of them. You didn't even get a gift with a penalty. You couldn't even draw anybody off sides. Yeah. Let me tell you this. That is god-awful. They're playing worse now under Jeff Saturday than they did under Frank Reich. Frank Reich got fired. Why is Jeff Saturday still in the building? You know why? I'll tell you why. Nobody wants the job. They don't want to work for that owner, I don't think. I think they, the people around the league see that as a meddling owner. Nobody wants a guy parachuting in, making decisions. Well, I'm sure they'll be able to find somebody to take the job. There's only 32 of those kinds of jobs in the world in the NFL, so someone will know. take the job. I just, at but this you, point, want to, you want to tell me they'll be down to their fifth or sixth choice. I'll listen to that. I'm telling I think you, that'll well, happen. They'll, yeah, they'll find somebody to take the job. Yeah. Absolutely. It's not going to be choice one, two, or three. Who? Yes, that is right. That is right. Like, I don't, I don't see them getting Sean Payton, somebody like that. They're not getting that guy. They, listen, and I, because guess, who, do guess think... who those top coaching candidates will be talking to? They'll be talking to Frank Reich. Hey, what was going on over there? What the heck happened? I'll say this. Usually, when this process works out, the GM, the president of the club, the head, you know the, uh, um, the scouting set, all the pro, pro player director, the people that are going to be there, football operation, all those guys, they talk, they do the interview with the head coach. A lot of people think the owner is the guy sitting there in the front row, in the middle, asking all the questions. Usually, the owner comes in at the end of the process. Okay, you got your guy. Let's hear him. Let me let me meet him. That's how it goes typically. Yeah. I'm not saying it does that every time, but the owner comes in and at the end of it and says, "You all right? Let's let's talk to the guy. If, the, if this guy's on your short list, let me talk to him." When did Josh? When did uh, McDaniel's Josh McDaniel? Is it Josh McDaniel? The guy, the head coach of the uh, of the Va- Ra- Raiders. Yeah, Josh. McDaniels. Josh McDaniel's took comes the in. job, turned it down. Took the Renegged. job, then late in the process, turned it down. Right when you would kind of start rubbing elbows with the owner, who's going to be, and what he says about everything. And he said, you know what, uh, I am not your guy. I'm not saying that happened, but it does look suspiciously like that's what happened. I am not saying no, but I am saying I'm not your guy. He, he bailed. Yeah, he at did. the moment when he finally got in to the, the point where he was hour. in the 11th hour when he's finally going to say, he already, okay. He already hired a defensive coordinator. He hired Eberflus. He's like, I got him, I'm going to meet with the owner, and here's what he goes in and meets with the owner, and he and he's, doesn't like it, and he says, I ain't, I'm not doing it. I am not doing it. I haven't signed anything. I'm out. 
Something else, man. Yeah, the, I don't know. The recent history is not good for Ursay. He has been in the news more of the, in the last two months than Jerry Jones. Well, right, because he spoke out on Washington on Commanders. On the Dan Snyder situation. And then he fired his head coach, who he had just given an extension to. Hires makes a controversial hire, skipping all norms of what that should look like. That, yeah, that. Who do they play this week? They play the Giants. Mm. Giants are going to win an in. Giants are in the. Yeah, they need. And they Giants need. are in the playoffs right now. You're there's call, no way it. I'm calling. There's no way the Giants lose to an Indianapolis Colts team that is 0 for 24 in their last two games on third down and has Jeff Saturday as their head coach. Yeah. There is absolutely no way Brian Dayball and the Giants lose that game. Okay. Absolutely no way. And I'm saying this, too. That if it's cold in Indianapolis, all the exhaust pipes of the players' cars are going to be running during the game. You'll be able to see the smoke coming out of them because yeah. they're going to be warming them up to get out of there. Oh, my gosh. They're going to go with Nick Foles in Indianapolis again. Well, who else are they going to go? Going to go back to Sam Ellinger? No. And they're not going to go to Matt Ryan. Matt Ryan. Boy, goodness did the sake. game pass Brownie, Matt Ryan Matt, by quickly? Matt Ryan looks as old as me. He aged 10 years in one season. 15. Yeah. He looks, he looks absolutely spent. It's been a rough go. Oh, goodness gracious. Uh, topic of discussion for us today. What do you see as the biggest challenge with the Bengals? So assess this matchup for us, if you would. Let us know what you see as the biggest challenge with this Bengals team for the Bills on Monday night. 803-0550-1888-550-2550, the number to get on board. Got an open line for you there. Or you can hit us up on the tweet sheet at one Bills Live. Um, there's a few concerns here <laughs> with this Bengals team. As I was talking about earlier this week, I think if there's one thing that Burrow has settled in and become as a quarterback in this league, it's a guy that'll just take the layups. He, I'm not. I I mentioned Tom Brady. I mentioned him in the same breath as Tom Brady. I'm not saying he's going to be a seven-time Super Bowl champion. I'm not saying he's going to have all the records that Brady has, but his playing style is a is somewhat similar to Brady. You know he'll. He'll nickel and dime you all the way down the field. Death by a thousand cuts. You know, right. the, as soon as a guy comes open for a free six yards, he'll take it. He plays. You know, I'm I'm not afraid. He plays like Tom Brady played. He throws it from the pocket. He rarely ever escapes. He buys a little bit of time. I don't even know if he's as good as Brady at you know being as fluid in the pocket, as stepping away from pressure. He gets sacked a lot. And I think that's the one thing that sets him apart from guys like Allen and Mahomes and Herbert. He gets sacked. But, man, oh, man, I'm telling you, right, you watch those guys play. He, the ball is out, and it is on target. He can sling it. He has got an accurate arm, and he makes all the throws. And it, I, I watched the, the Patriot game that the Bengals had last weekend in Foxborough, and I'm telling you what. If you're a Patriot fan, it was just maddeningly inevitable that you had no shot in that game. They only lost by four points, and it was not even close. Uh. The Bengals 
I mean, they turned it over three times, gave up a pick six, all, and it was just, it was, I mean, they, the Bengals were like the Chiefs in that game. They were just playing with their food. They were totally, they were, at, that, at the end of it, they were just yawning. Unbelievable game. They are really, really good offensively. And Joe Burrow, for to his credit, you said it, Brad. He started off like twelve of twelve in that game. Yeah, he and he never threw any. He, he threw a couple, you know, fifteen yard passes, but most of them were like that in the flat, right on the money, right over the middle, over the ball, right on the money. The back on an angle route out of the backfield, right on the money. And you know, the Patriots were giving it to him, but he was just taking it. And man, they they just had no answer. They'd sprinkle in some runs too. But man, oh man, yeah, they're they're really good. This is going to be a really fantastic game. It'll be fun to watch uh, Leslie Frazier and the crew of, with the Bills try and defend these guys because they are really, really good. Right. Trio of receivers that might be the best, one, two, and three, talent-wise, in the league on one roster. Um, you'd have a tough time finding – a top three better than that group with Chase, Higgins, and Boyd. All three of them are in the top 25 in the AFC in receiving yards. All three of them. Yeah. I mean, any one of those guys can be the lead dog in a given game for them. Proof of that, Jamar Chase goes out for a month with a hip injury, and Higgins and Boyd just kind of pick up the slack, mm-hmm. they keep and they don't miss a beat. Yeah. And that's why they've won seven in a row. The Bills have won six in a row. Two teams on red-hot winning streaks coming into this game on Monday night. We do have to step aside and take a break here. But when we come back, we'll have more, including your thoughts on the tweet sheet. As the topic of discussion is today, what do you see as the biggest challenge with this Bengals team for the Bills on Monday night, 803-0550, the number to get on board. Steve and I back in a moment here on One Bills Live, presented by Collider Health. It's Buffalo Bills Radio. All right, wanted to remind you that this week's game sponsor is the BFLO Store. The BFLO Store is the official retailer of the Buffalo Bills. Welcome back to One Bills Live. Chris Brown, Steve Tasker with you. Wanted to get over to the tweet sheet to get your thoughts on what you believe is the biggest challenge with the Bengals in Monday night's game. Tweet sheet brought to you, as always, by Corrigan Moving Systems, the official equipment moving company of the Buffalo Bills. Jeremy leads us off. And Jeremy says, keeping up with their offense. This seems to be the biggest test of the season. I think it'll come down to the last possession to win this game. And, Steve, you just pointed out a stat about what the Bills' defense has had to face through the course of the season in terms of quality offenses on the other side of the line of scrimmage. There's 10 10 offenses that are total DVOA. That means over average. Value over average. Value over average. Defensive value over average. They've they've played six of the – they will have played – six after Cincinnati, but they've played five of the other nine offenses in the league that are playing at a high level. They beat Kansas City. They split with Miami. They beat Detroit. They beat Baltimore, and they beat Green Bay. Cincinnati's right in that mix. The Bills have played five of the top nine offenses in the league and beaten them all. 
defense with def- or at least the team has beaten them all. Um, the bill, like I keep saying, the Bills have played a rough, rough schedule, and they've held up to it for the number one seed so far. So they got Cincinnati this week, and that falls right into it. It's just one more game against a really good offense. Right, and you know you look at Joe Burrow. And Burrow leads the league in fourth-quarter quarterback rating. He's got 11 touchdowns and two picks in the fourth quarter. And people in Cincinnati call him Joe Cool. I know there was another guy before that that they used to call Joe Cool. His last name was Montana, and he played for the 49ers. But Burrow has uh, – it just seems to be unflappable. Uh, even his teammates say as much. So, yeah, I mean, that's what – he's a clutch player. Much like Josh is a clutch player. It's a marquee quarterback matchup. I mean, there's no question about it. And it may come down very well to who has the ball last in this one. Very much so. Um, we've seen Josh time and again rise up in these big these night games, these primetime games, Thanksgiving games, Christmas Eve games, um, the you know Monday night games to start the season, the Thursday night games. Josh kind of you know shows up big in those, and so do some of the other teams players on the Bills team. Um, we got a, I think um, if you look ahead, the weather in Cincinnati is going to be in the mid to high fifties. Yeah. Weather should not be an issue. It's going to feel like a day at the beach compared to the games these guys have been playing in. Um, it's going to be a high of 66 on that day. At least that's the forecast now. Right. Eight, seven days away, a week away. Think about it though. 65 during the day. Oh my goodness. It's going to feel like a day at the beach for the Bills. I mean, and we know it's supposed to get warm here later in the week. It's going to melt a lot of the snow. So weather's not going to be a factor. These offenses are going to be able to operate in whatever form they they see fit, and it should be a great game. Um, It's it's big. It's important for both clubs. But you're right. I mean, you start looking at the quarterbacks, uh, Joe Burrow. You go back and watch the games that these guys have played. These teams have played. He's, he, they are really good passing offense. They are really good passing offense. And it's not like they've got some, you know, schlub at running back either. Joe Mixon is pretty darn good if you're going to have a featured running back. Now, the interesting thing is they don't run the ball particularly well. Now, I know Mixon missed some time with an injury a few weeks back. Right. Um, it is a little surprising, though, to see that the Bengals are 26th in the league in rushing. Um. That one surprised me a little bit. I thought they'd be a little bit better than that. They're yeah, a top-five passing team, yeah. but 26th in rushing. Yeah, P. Ryan is pretty good, too. They got two backs that they trust, Mixon and P. Ryan. They're good and, at catching the ball. Yeah, and they're, they, they do it all. They're Both those guys are really, really good. But their production rushing the football has been a bit of an yeah. issue. Rushing, rushing per game, they're 26th in the league. Right, which is what I was just getting at. Yeah. And even yards per carry, they're a very pedestrian 3.9. So, yeah, it's a little peculiar. I mean, Mixon himself, 4.0 per carry. P. Ryan, 4.2 per carry. He's kind of the change of pace guy. Um, and obviously, Burrow doesn't do running the way Josh Allen does, and I wouldn't expect him to. I mean, he can move around a little bit, but yeah. is he any faster than Mac Jones? I don't know. Yeah, I think he's a better athlete. Than- <laughs> Maybe a little bit. But um, his, style, so. his style is to throw it. And you'll see a lot of the incompletions he had. You said he was, what, 41, 42 of 50, or 42 of 52 or something in this left. Oh, last 52. week when he was Offensive Player of the Week, uh, yeah. He has no problem throwing that thing into the first row of the stands. He throws it away. 
in other instead of taking a sack. Mm-hmm. He's a really smart quarterback. Um, he does that a lot, and he does it even in the red zone. He does it a lot. So he is going to win this game. The, the Bengals are going to beat the Bills. Uh, if they're going to beat the Bills, it's going to be with Joe Burrow throwing the ball from the pocket. That's how they're going to beat you. That's the way they do it. Their run game is okay. It's good. they got a couple of good running backs, but they're good in the passing game, like Brownie said. Uh, the Bengals win games with Joe Burrow in the pocket. They got to a Super Bowl last year, and they're 11-4 and right now doing that. That's what it's going to look like. Let's go to the phones at 803-0550-1888-550-2550. Leading us off today is Bob in Hamburg. What do you got for us, Bob? You're on One Bills Live. Well, I don't have snow above my chest right now, so I'm in good shape. <laughs> um, I really think that um, the way the Bills are, and the way they've been playing, the adversity they've been through in the last six or seven weeks, it just says a lot about this team. And to be honest with you, I think we walk into Cincinnati and smoke them. That's just my feeling. Okay. You, you don't even think it's going to be a game. Wow, Bob, Bob said his piece and he's out. Um, I don't know. I want to say yes, but Cincinnati's won seven in a row. Buffalo's won six in a They've row. They've won nine of their last ten. Yeah, I mean, they got off to a slow start, and they've just um, been rolling since then. Yeah, I don't – You, I think both these clubs are too good to run off and leave. Now, certainly, the the last loss the Bengals took, it was like a 32-14 to 14 whooping by the Cleveland Browns. Uh-huh. Um, I don't know what happened in that game. I might go back and look. But they, they lost big to the Browns. Um. But that they haven't done that in, like I said, ten games. It's been nine of ten they've won, yeah. their last seven in a row. So we'll see. I, Including a win over the Chiefs. I don't. Yeah. This I don't know if I can't I can't get my mind around either one of these teams running off and leaving the other. So we'll see. Now there is a chance. And Thomas Hollander brought it to our attention. There is a chance that there's going to be some rain on Monday night. Right. But it's the a temper- field. But the turf is, I mean, the, uh, but the temperature is not going to be zero and sub-zero yeah. like it has been. So, Yeah, 50s are forecast for the low, which is probably what we're going to see since the game is obviously at night. at night. Let's get back to the tweet sheet, though, um, before we take some more phone calls. And Sharon on the tweet sheet, when asked what she thinks the biggest challenge is with the Bengals for Buffalo on Monday night, the defense now playing more bend, don't break D. Lately, they make it easy for their opponent to score on their first possession. We can't spot Cincy seven points. I feel like it's 13 seconds again. We need to go down fighting. Um, I respect the concern, Sharon, and you're right. There are instances where the opponent comes down and scores an early one on this Bills defense. That yeah. I mean, it, it does happen. Hap- yeah. Your margin for I, I think your argument is correct, Sharon, that your margin for error is less against a team with the scoring power of the Bengals. So you'd like to get off to a fast start and send them three and out at the beginning of the game. All that being said, I will say that Leslie Frazier and his defensive staff are fantastic at making the adjustments if, in fact, they are scored upon on their first on the opening possession. And then they put it on lockdown. We saw that just last week. You know, the Bears come right down the field. 
score a touchdown, stick it in the end zone, and after that, it's a done deal, Lucille. I mean, what they finish with, 13 points? 13, yeah. So I'd sign up for that, too. I realize that's probably unlikely to happen against a, a Bengals team that's got enormous firepower. But, yeah, that it's easier said than done sometimes, I guess is what I'm saying. Yeah, I mean, certainly no, nobody's going into the into the game thinking that, you know, the Bills are going to, you know, give up. A, you know, they're not doing it deliberately. But you're right. That is the – that is – it's been that way for the last three years. Teams have their greatest offensive success against the Bills early on. And then Leslie Frazier and his crew start to get a handle on what they're doing and are out ahead of them in adjustments. So it's – uh, it happened in Green in Chicago, and uh, it's happened in multiple games before this. And I think that's a testament to how good the staff is once they get a handle on it, and and what the other team sees in their defense. And uh, they've been very good at it. But I'm I'm with you. It'd be great to go out there and get you know start have them start the game with four three and outs. I'll sign up for that. Right. So we'll Cause, see. Because if your offense is doing what they're supposed to do, you're way ahead on the scoreboard, and then. They're yeah. playing catch up. We got to take a break here, but when we come back, more of your phone calls at 803-0550-1888-550-2550. CJ and Buffalo will lead us off in the next segment as we're asking you, what do you see as the biggest challenge with the Bengals for the Bills on Monday night? It's One Bills Live presented by Collider Health. This is Buffalo Bills Radio. Mafia, the first edition of the Buffalo Bills comic cover series, is now on sale. Products include posters, sweaters, and shirts. You can purchase these items exclusively at any Buffalo, Rochester, and Syracuse area Wegmans. Wegmans, the official tailgating headquarters of the Buffalo Bills. We want to get back to the phones at 803-0550-1888-550-2550, the number to get on board. What do you see as the biggest challenge with the Bengals for the Bills on Monday night. Leading us off, as promised, here in this segment is CJ in Buffalo. What do you got for us? Well, hold on a second here. What do you got for us, CJ or One Bills Live? Hey, Chris and Steve. How you doing? Good, good, man. Hey, uh, so what I've seen a lot from last week from watching the Bengals play the Patriots, uh, I did notice they remind me of, like, they got linebackers that remind me of Kiko Alonso. They're not really fast, but super, super athletic. And Josh Allen always made a joke of Kiko by running past them. I don't think they're that fast, but I do think they're good at athletic. I think the Bills have an advantage with Cole Beasley and John Brown being back and us not utilizing them soon. Like once they got back, we've seen them with Dayball. We have never seen how they, these pieces will be used with uh, Ken Dorsey. Secondly, you have a running back and – James Cook, who leads the league uh, per per run, if I'm not mistaken, uh, yards per carry, if I'm not mistaken, and that that you can't spread out a you can't spread your corners and your defense out to try to stop our wide receivers Brown, Diggs, Beasley, and Davis. Try to stop Cook and Josh Allen if they go four wide, go running back in the backfield and say, okay, let's QB spy Josh Allen as well. Secondly, they got to beat up D line. I, that, you don't want to chase Josh Allen around. And the last point is they always had trouble with defensive ends 
that played the right side of Burrow, which is the left. T.J. Watt has two interceptions the two times they played. Russo, I guarantee, is going to have a big day if he keeps trying to throw short to the right. That is his, his love spot right there. Just put it out there. All right. Thanks, All right. CJ. That's an interesting a in scouting there. report. A lot to go. unpack. Thanks for the call. Um, yeah, I mean, Cook is an exciting development here over these last few weeks. Uh, it's no longer a situation where he's just flashing. Uh, he's He's showing that he could be a game-breaker for you in the right situation, in the right play call, in the right down and distance at certain times in the football game. And much like last year, I think the running game is, is picking up steam at the right time. And I mentioned it on the show yesterday. You know, Over the last four weeks of the season last year, the Bills were second in the league in rushing over that span. I, I, I haven't looked at where they might be now, but that 254-yard rushing day last week certainly helps. <laughs> that helps the average, right? Um, and uh, I think the best thing part about it was it is over 200 yards. Only 40 of it was from Josh. Right. And right now, Cook is averaging 5.8 per carry. That doesn't lead the league. There are some quarterbacks that are higher. If you want to go strictly running backs, he would be at the top. The problem is he doesn't have enough carries uh, in some statistical services to qualify. So we'd have to kind of amend it. See where we'd come down. I can try to he's actually, he's siphon good, through the numbers, he's but he's been productive. Number. He's got a good number there, yeah. So, and, yeah, if – no, I think the Bengals linebackers are good. I don't – yeah, fast, okay, maybe not. But, man, they're playing really well, uh, both in coverage and in the run stopping. So, you'll have to keep your, keep your eye on it. If, if It's interesting to see how Dorsey sees it. To think about it. Is he going to use Cook and Singletary? Are they going to try and come out and run the football like they did against the Bears? I kind of doubt that. Although, you know, we'll see. Uh, that With the Bears' defensive line nicked up like it is, like C.J. pointed out, um, we'll see. It's got to be hard for a guy like Hendrickson to maybe take on blockers in the run game with a busted wrist. All of that stuff goes yeah. into the mix. It's interesting. Um, the Bills have shown their willingness to spread it around, though. Run, pass, 10 different guys getting pass catches last week. You know, they're a handful, as you would expect in a game like this. Both these clubs have got a lot going on, and it's going to be whoever executes better. I think also the turnover battle is huge. The Bills are almost unbeatable if they don't turn it over. Right. And they're still pretty darn good even when they do. Because they turned it over three – granted, against a substandard Chicago team, they turned it over three times, one by 22. You can't do that this week against this Cincinnati team because they'll make you pay with their right. scoring ability. Um, but, yeah, if they play a clean game, they're 17-4 and four in their last 21 games. Yeah. They're hard to – and that's with 20, 21 turnovers this year. They're 12-3 and three with 21 turnovers this year alone. Yeah. Think about that. <laughs> you know what I mean? So they have a way. They're good enough to even overcome their own mistakes most of the time. So, yeah. I, look, I got all the respect in the world for the Bengals. I think, I think what's going to help Buffalo in this matchup, maybe more than anything, is their defense. Because I think top to bottom their defense is better than Cincinnati's. And I think they might be more successful – 
in holding Cincinnati's offense in check, and Cincinnati's defense will be in holding Buffalo's defense in check or offense in check. Right. So that's just my personal opinion on it, but I guess we'll have to wait and see how it all plays out on Monday night. We're going to take a break here because when we come back, we're going to talk more Bengals as we get more of the 4-1-1 on just what that team has been doing. We know they've won seven in a row. We know Burrow's been productive. But we're going to dig a little bit deeper. And to help us do that, we'll be radio broadcaster for the Bengals, one Solomon Wilcots, coming up next here on One Bills Live, presented by Collider Health. It's Buffalo Bills Radio. Live, presented by Kaleida Health. Kicking it here on a Wednesday. Chris Brown, Steve Tasker with you, hour number two. And we didn't mention this at the top of the show, and it probably is worth mentioning. Bills are not back on the practice field today. They will begin their installation of the game plan on the practice field starting tomorrow with the extra day, with it being a Monday night game. They are going to start practicing on Thursday this week, and you know, this time of year, week 17, giving the bodies an extra day of rest can sometimes be even more beneficial than getting more practice time in on a week where you have extra time. Yeah, they're treating today, Wednesday, like it was a Tuesday, which is traditionally the player's day off. But I, we were walking around here going to get coffee, and <clears throat> there's a t- ton of guys in the building. You kinda, <laughs> yeah, I made room. the joke that, you know, these guys go home with their wives and families, and it was a, it was a rough travel weekend for them. Yep. And – you know, right about now, though, after two full days of family time and getting caught up, the body clocks of these guys start to go off in a big way. They're like, man, I got I to gotta get in and work out. I got to get in. What's going on at the stadium? I got to get back in and see the guys. I mean, what's going on with the game plan? I want to, you know, and I made the wives are like pushing these guys out the door. I says, go to work. Just <laughs> go, go on, go, go work out. Just get out of the house. Um they start to get antsy for well. Plus, people have been cooped up in their homes with that's all right the snow too and the travel. Um, so there was a ton of guys in today on a, on their traditional day off, um, working the kinks out and getting ready to start practice on what would be a Wednesday tomorrow Thursday. Yeah, eight oh three oh five fifty one eight 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 five fifty two five fifty. The number to get on board. We're waiting to make contact with Solomon Wilcox, radio broadcaster for the Cincinnati Bengals, and former player for that matter. Um, In the meantime, we will go back to the phones where we've been asking you all day today, what is the biggest challenge that the Bengals present in your mind for the Bills on Monday night? And leading us off in this segment is Jeff in Buffalo. What do you got for us, Jeff? You're on One Bills Live. Oh, hi, guys. Uh, Yeah, my my question is uh, about the Bengals with the problem that you guys brought up. You know, Joe Burrow hits a lot of these underneath guys. Mm-hmm. And we have been not very good at, at getting that first tackle, uh, making contact on that first tackle. I mean, I, I'm not saying that you have to bring the guy down 
as soon as he catches the ball, I, I understand that that's not the easiest thing in the world to do. But you got to slow him down a little bit uh, and try to not get as many yards after the catch as what the, they've been giving up. Um, and because of Burrow's tendency to throw underneath like that and the talent that they have on the ends, uh, I, I think that's going to be a problem unless they, you know, unless they fix that. Uh, so that's that's what I that's what I yeah, have Jeff. To say. I, I mean, even Matt Milano. Yeah, I would agree with you, Jeff. They, they need they need to they need to tackle well in this game because you're right. If they're going to force like like last week is what the um, that's what the New England Patriots tried to get the Bengals to do settle for the short routes. If you're going to do that, you've got to come up and tackle well. And for and we've said it a ton. The best defenses in the NFL are the ones that when one defender, the first defender, gets to the ball and he gets there quickly, the ball is stopped. It's a tackle. The first guy to the ball makes the tackle. The best defenses are always like that. And the Bills have gone through stretches where they didn't tackle well at all. Luckily, some of those games they won. But, yeah, it's been frustrating, and that's going to be important in this game. You can't let these guys, particularly these gifted receivers of the Bengals, catch a five-yard pass and go 60. Yes. I think the Bills are coming off a good tackle game last week against the Bears. They had a really strong, fundamentally sound tackling game this past week. Hopefully that carries into this week because the concerns are valid. Cincinnati is fourth in the league in yards after catch this season with 2,060. The only offenses that have more yards after the catch this season, Tampa Bay, the Chargers, and the Chiefs. Bengals rank fourth in the league in yards after the catch this season. So it's a valid concern, so you do bring up a good point. And, yeah, tackling well is going to be of paramount importance this week if you want to force them to – have to have 15, 16 play scoring drives instead of five or six play scoring drives. And even if you are the first guy on the scene and you can't get the guy on the ground, at least hang on to allow everybody else to rally to the football and help you out, which the Bills, I think, are very good at. You know, gang tackling, flying, you know, flowing to the ball, rallying to the football, you know, two, three guys at a time. I think they're good at that. Um, I'm. You know, I, f- I feel like we've addressed it a ton. One of the things that – one of the reasons it's hard to tackle in the NFL these days is, you know, if you do it like you, we used to do it when I played, you get ejected from the game. Um, and they are putting such a priority on turnovers defensively in the NFL. Guys are preoccupied with the ball. They're trying to tackle the ball and grab the ball away rather than getting the guy or the runner, the receiver, whoever, off their feet. And it ends up where you, after you make contact and you're grabbing at the ball and stuff, the guy's spinning away and he's still moving up the field, gaining yards while you're still messing around trying to grab the football. It's frustrating for football fans to see this guy getting all these free yards, but the simple fact of the matter is the ball's more important in today's NFL. And it leads to a lot of teams, and it's not just the Bills, a lot of teams doing the exact same thing. You tackle the ball, try and get the ball away, and then get him off his feet, rather than get him off his feet, and then hopefully the ball pop out later. Yeah. Um, but that's nothing to sneeze at. Top five ranking in yards after catch. They know how to do it, and Burrow knows how to be an anticipatory thrower 
to give his receivers opportunities to get yards after the catch. So the Bills historically have not, at least during the Josh Allen era, have not been great in that category. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it's a, right now this season they're better than they were last year, but they rank 24th in yards after the catch, just over 1,500 yards this season. They're, about, they're pacing about 500 yards behind Cincinnati. So if there is you know, a difference in the way each of these two passing games get it done, that's one area where the Bengals excel and the Bills rely on other things to uh, make their passing game productive, like Josh chucking it down the field. I did find it interesting that Burrow is not – his yards per attempt is down this year. His air yards per attempt are down this year. As I was saying earlier this week, he's kind of taken the layups more often to keep them in manageable down and distance. And maybe their 26th-ranked rushing attack is a reason for it, almost using the short passing game as an extension of a running game that's been virtually non-existent for them, or at least not very productive in comparison to last year for the Bengals. Right. And some of it, I mean, they're like the Bills. I mean, they're a good offense, so some of it was dictated in what we've watched. Some of it will be dictated by the defense and how they're playing them. The 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 New England Patriots were dropping guys into deep zone coverage, or just and they were they were giving them the underneath receptions, both in the to the backs, the tight ends, and to the wide receivers who didn't you know blow off down the and and explode down the field. They were giving them all kinds of underneath uh, pass completions. Then we've seen it. The Patriots just do that once. That was their game plan. Joe Burrow chopped them up. I mean, absolutely chopped them up. Um, their first drive was clinical. S- was, he was five for five or seven for seven or six for six, whatever it was on the He didn't have an incomplete pass. He didn't hit the ground. They ran it a couple of times, and it was just they were in the end zone. Opening possession of the game, just it was a statement. And, you know, that, sta- that stadium in Foxborough was dead silent. They, they, there was nothing they could do. It was disheartening for the home crowd. Yeah. Let's go back to the tweet sheet to get some more of your thoughts on what you believe to be the biggest challenge for the Bengals uh, in this Monday night. Biggest challenge with the Bengals for the Bills on Monday night. And Butch is drinking the Steve Tasker Kool-Aid. The biggest challenge going into this game and thinking too much is thinking too much and not believing that you are dominant over any other team in the NFL. Just go out and play your game. No one can beat the 2022 Buffalo Bills but themselves. Don't blink, all caps. This is one of those games um, where you say, oh, my gosh, we're going to go in and we're going to play this team. They've got all these weapons offensively. Their defense is playing good. They can run the ball. Their quarterback's Joe Cool. It's under, you know, um, the team that's going in there to play them is pretty good, too. You yeah. know? We're, um, they got to play us is the kind of thing, right? Right. Um, that, um, yeah, we're meeting a good team. So are they. Let's go. Um Bills don't have any reason to flinch at this game. They're going to be able. They're going to come in there and play well. Um, and they've got a guy who's a bigger weapon offensively at quarterback than bigger the all around weapon for sure. Right. So, um, and they've got their own guys. So it'll be. It's going to be a fun game. I was amazed. I was looking up and down the Week 17 schedule. This is the only game on the entire schedule this week with two teams that have winning records. Every other game this week, 
There isn't more than one team with a winning record in any of the other matchups. It's bizarre. I mean, don't get me wrong. The ESPN people are pretty happy about this one being on Monday night. Yeah. And there are other games with playoff implications, certainly, because you've Lord knows you've got a, a host of teams that are a game under 500 this year that are right in the playoff mix, both in the NFC and the AFC. But this is right. the only game with both teams with winning records. It's crazy. Yeah, you got a bunch of games with <laughs> six and nine Panthers, seven and eight Buccaneers, yeah. seven and eight Jets, seven and eight Seahawks, you know. Six and nine uh, Browns against the seven, seven and one Commanders. Yeah, and then you got the Chiefs against the Broncos. Yeah, you know. Vikings, Packers. Yeah, yeah. It, I, it's it's just a random anomaly kind of thing, but it's it's, it's interesting last, nonetheless. Yeah, most the most wins between two teams in Monday Night Football matchup since what ninety seven? They said nineteen ninety seven. Denver, San Francisco. Mm. 11 wins versus 12 wins. That's that's a good game, man. Not too shabby. Mark on the tweet sheet when answering the question, what is the biggest challenge with the Bengals for the Bills on Monday night? The biggest challenge going into this – oh, nope, sorry, I read that one. Mark says their offense. We haven't faced anyone who could keep up with our offense since Kansas City. That's probably true. Yeah. Although Minnesota did a pretty good job of it. Yeah, it was so did the so did the Lions. Mm-hmm. You know. Yeah, you're right. Um, Lions were playing really good offense at the time the Bills the Bills met them and you know, and there's been some some games where they've met some teams that were at least at that moment were playing well. Yeah. Uh, I do get the sense that Bills fans on the whole recognize the Bengals offense as a proven productive offense. Nobody's like you know, sloughing them off. And how can you when they well, won seven in a row? We thought we were going to, you know, we, you played the world champions right after they won the Super Bowl, too. The Rams, you thought the Rams were going to be a really good offense, too. It turned out, you know, they weren't. Yeah. Uh, and they only scored 10 points against you. But, you know, uh, the Miami offense the first time around was, you know, it was highly touted. They went on a big streak right after they, they managed to win that game against the Buffalo, the first matchup. Uh, but, yeah, this is this is the one that's got the most tracker. They were in the Super Bowl last year, and they're at eleven and four right now, mm-hmm. and they got it going on. Sean on the tweet sheet says the biggest challenge is easily our defensive backs versus Chase and Higgins. We've been terrible at contesting jump balls and have gotten killed by good wide receivers. Yeah. Killed, yeah. Justin Jefferson had a big day against you. I'm um, I'm trying to think of. Some of the other number ones that they faced. Garrett Wilson kind of had his way with this defense. There have been a couple. Um, I'm just trying to run my head through all the games this season. Um, Cleveland, Amari Cooper had a nice day and a loss. And, I mean, Tyreek. Yeah, Jalen Waddle. The cheat, like Juju Smith Schuster had five for one thirteen against the Bills. Kelsey had eight for one hundred and eight in that game as well. So, so the Chiefs made some hay. So Sean's them. right. I mean, top wide receivers have had productive days. In many cases, it hasn't been enough to lift that opponent to victory over the Bills. But yeah, it it's cropped up as an issue. Um, That's what happens. I'm wondering. Players. So, Steve, let's let's talk about this while we're talking DBs here for a second. 
Tredavious White, five games played for the Bills, has five pass breakups in those five games. Came tantalizingly close to his first interception a couple of weeks ago here in the home game. Uh, the Bears passing game didn't do a whole lot last week, although Trey did get beat on one deep ball um, in the second half. And Kyrie Elam, I think, continues to impress as he continues to be rotated in in a platoon situation with Dane Jackson at the CB2 position. Knowing, as Sean points out, that T. Higgins in particular is outstanding in contested ball situations, do you go with the taller, physically stronger Kyrie Elam this week than Dane Jackson? in terms of playing time. I'm well, not saying Dane Jackson doesn't play, but does Kyrie Elam maybe play more of the snaps because of the physical guy you're matching up with in T. Higgins? Uh, it, it's possible. Um, you know, Higgins is 6'4", 219. Yeah. I mean, he's a big dude. Uh, Kyrie's 6'1", 210, something like that, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, and he's long-limbed. Yeah, and he's he's long, but he's also fast. And yeah, it's there isn't there aren't corners who match up well with six-four wideouts because there's not that many six-four wideout guys around who can really run. Yeah. Otherwise, if you get if he gets behind, you know, they don't get behind you that way. Right. This, Higgins and these guys get behind you, and they're six-four. Yeah, that's an issue. So yeah, I I could see the the logic about putting Kair Elam in on a bigger wideout and letting him run. But I don't think you really leave leave guys unhelped, you know, with no help yeah. on the back end anyway. But you can't, you can't double everybody. T. Higgins ranks fourth in the NFL this season with 16 contested catches. We'll take a break here because when we come back, we're going to catch up with Solomon Wilcots, Bengals radio broadcaster, next here on One Bills Live, presented by Collider Health. It's Buffalo Bills Radio. All right, welcome back to One Bills Live. Chris Brown, Steve Tasker with you. Pleased to be joined now by SiriusXM NFL radio analyst, former NFL safety, and co-host of the Believe in Bengals podcast. It is one Solomon Wilcots joining us on the line. Solomon, how you doing? Happy holidays. Uh, how fired up are you for this one? This is the marquee matchup of the week, and it's not even close. Yeah, first of all, Chris and Steve, happy holidays to you guys. And yeah. We're doing great, and look, uh, everyone's excited about this game. You get two great uh, young quarterbacks going at it. Uh, I could see this, uh, you know, Josh Allen, Joe Burrow, Bills, Bengals sort of developing into a longtime rivalry because these two guys are fun to watch. Yeah, they are, and, you know, two different guys as well. Josh is this big, you know, ultimate weapon guy, run it, throw it, power run, can throw it all over the field, and Joe Burrow – uh, he wins every week standing there in the pocket. And he'll he'll take the sack, he'll make the throwaway, but ultimately, with those three guys on the outside, there's always somebody for him to deliver the ball to, and, and he beats all these teams right from the pocket. Yeah, you're right, and he'll, he'll get out of there, but there's no designed runs with Joe Burrow, uh, like what you see with Josh Allen. He's like a throwback and a combination of a um, the heady – um, sort of a student of the game, the kind of guy that's going to come up with the answers like what Peyton Manning used to do. Um, he's going to figure you out sooner or later. And then he's got that competitiveness of a Tom Brady, this methodical nature of just continuing to stalk you. And then in the fourth quarter, 
um, on that last and final drive. He's going to find a way to get his team into the end zone. And you're right, he's surrounded by a lot of uh, talented weapons, not just the wide receiving core. We know about Chase and Boyd and, uh, and Higgins, but the tight end, um, you know, Hayden Hurst and the two running backs, Samar so P. Ryan and Joe Mixon, they're as good catching the ball out of the backfield as they are running it uh, with power. So, yeah, there, there are a lot of weapons here, and, and Joe Burrow is not shy about using them. What have you seen, Solomon, over the course of this season in terms of how defenses have tried to approach this Bengals offense? A lot of too high safety looks, I'm guessing. Yeah. Well, it'd be a surprise. And I think last year, uh, Joe Burrow kind of proved it. He's the last guy you want to blitz. Like, <laughs> when you blitz him, he shreds you. Now, teams have had some sacks early in the season because the offensive line was pretty much new. Um, four of the new of the five guys were new to this team. But then once they started to jail, he got back to doing some of the things we saw last year, especially when teams decide they're going to just load it up and come after him. He tends to figure you out pretty quickly, and he'll make you pay for blitzing him. Um, and so I think you're starting to see now, even with Belichick last week when he played the Patriots, yeah, they want to play too high safety, try to force him to find the seams and the holes. And he's proven that he could do that. Right now he's PFF's highest-rated quarterback, um, and that's because he's effective uh, against single high man-to-man versus the blitz or dissecting the zones as well. So he's a very heady player. One of the things we've talked about um, with the Bills and now I, I witnessed too in the last game they played in New England, once in a while you get in these games, the Bills did it against Green Bay, they did it against the first matchup uh, with uh, um, the Packers. With the Packers, they did it with Pack- Green Bay, they did it with, and they did it with New England in the first matchup with New England. The game moves on and it just – the opponent that they're playing, it just seems like an inevitability that they're just going to squeeze the life out of them. They just run out of time. <laughs> they run out of opportunity. That's exactly what the the Bengals did to the Patriots last week. They come out early, and there was that game was never in doubt. Even as a four-point win, of course, it was a one-score game. But, man, oh, man, they just – the inevitability of that win was evident early on. Both these teams seem to do that. Why do you think that is? I think it's, you know, I think both coaches, you know, these, you know, I think I've got a ton of respect for Sean McDermott and the way that he sees the game from a defensive uh, standpoint, but the way that he also brings the offense to complement the defense and the defense complements the, it's, it's what we call that complimentary style of play where the defense is going to get some turnovers. They're going to put the offense on a short field. And then the offense knows that scoring quickly is not always necessarily the style of play, particularly when you're going up against a quarterback like a Joe Burrow who can come back and bring his team back in just a few plays. Bam, you're putting points on the scoreboard. And I, I think McDermott learned that from that divisional game last year against the Chiefs. It's clear that Zach Taylor understands that. Um, and I've often seen where Joe Burrow will get the ball. He understands it. Four minutes left on the clock. We already got him, even if we have a three-point lead. We're not giving them the ball back. We don't have to chase points. We've got the three-point lead. If we don't turn the ball back over um, and we keep it and we run out the clock, we get out of here with a win. You and I both know there are a lot of coaches, hey, score, 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 
Um, but uh, I, I think McDermott, Zach Taylor with both quarterbacks, I think they play a much more heady game. Um, and uh, I, it's a very unique way of, of getting it done. Solomon, we know that, you know, this Bengals offense is, you know, top 10 in scoring. They could put points on the board in a hurry if you're not careful. Uh, they're also sixth in the league in the red zone. They'll score touchdowns about two-thirds of the time, 66.7% on the season. In the last month, though, Buffalo's defense has rocketed up the board in red zone defense. They're now holding the top spot uh, in the league in red zone defense. Is Cincinnati, you know, uh, an offense good enough to kind of challenge that, you know, through the course of this game? Uh, or or is are they going to run into a buzzsaw here with this Buffalo defense? You know, that this it's very interesting because that's why this is such a unique and interesting matchup. I, I think these two teams match up so very well. Um, what the way that Luana Romo plays on defense is from the from back to front, right? The secondaries are the most focal, important part of the way that they sort of eliminate the big plays and don't allow you to throw the ball over their heads. The Bills are designed and cut the same way with Les Frazier their defensive coordinator, and Sean McDermott um, being um, schooled in the art of, of defending the pass first. Then we get to the quarterback. And, and so that's why you see both defenses um, ranking in a way when it comes to eliminating scoring. They rank top 10 in scoring defense, the red zone coverage, and then what they're going to give you in the second half. They're going to give you a different look than what they give you early in the game. That's why you have to play these games out. I, I wish I could tell you what was going to happen, how things are going to break <laughs> situationally, right? But I do know the Bengals can spread you out. They can under, they can dictate where that one-on-one -on -one coverage is going to be. Uh, and then Joe makes his mind up where he thinks um, the advantage is. It's often T. Higgins with that great pass-catching radius. It's often a Jamar Chase who can separate from anyone if he has enough room to operate. Um, and then Hayden Hurst is a big body guy. And then his slot receiver, Trenton Irwin, is a guy that's come on big time for the Cincinnati Bengals. They've had different players with the injuries that they've had. They've had different guys step up and, and come up big time. Even over the four weeks when Jamar Chase was out, a lot of these guys kept saying, hey, Joe, it's my turn. And he didn't hesitate to throw it to him. One of the things about this team this year that's a little different, they've spent a lot of time and money, a lot of effort rebuilding the offensive line around Joe Burrow because last year, I mean, it ultimately it's the one thing that gave up on him in the Super Bowl. Uh, but Lyle Collins now uh, struggling with an injury. He's out and, you know, they're off. And now it's getting beat up. And now they're kind of reverting back to where they were before all of that happened. It's just with five different guys. How's their offensive line holding up uh, now that with Lyle Collins out? Um, and the other guys that are in there, what's their offensive line look like as opposed to where it was a year ago? Yeah, I got to tell you, man, Ted Karras has been phenomenal on the uh, interior part of this offense. Alex Kappa, uh, these guys have been phenomenal. Um, Joe Burrow takes a much shorter drop because he it's like what Brady used to do. He can trust the two, the guards and the center. It's the tackles that are really kind of, you know, they have the soft spots there. And that's why Joe won't hesitate to climb the pocket, press the line of scrimmage, take a shorter drop, get rid of it quick, or press the line of scrimmage and get out of there. He's not going to try to escape, try to break containment outside unless 
you know, that somebody loses contain. Uh, but that's where I think our soft spot at left tackle in Jonah Williams, he can be better. There's no doubt. But he's the he's the guy that's been here. He's the former first-round pick out of Alabama. And then with Lyle Collins going down, Akeem Adenajay, uh, he's going to get the start. And he's been rotating in. He's been playing a lot, whether it's at the guard position, the tackle. He's a guy that's uh, that's got multiple skill set to play at the tackle or guard position. Um, so, uh, look, we'll see how it works out. Um, we all know the Bills' pass rush has gotten so much better. And I think that Vaughn Miller, what he's given those young guys, we've seen the growth and development take place in 2022. That wasn't there a year ago. And now that Vaughn's out, these guys are like kind of fully grown up. Big brother, big brothers taught the young pups of things or two. Yeah. Speaking of the pass rush, Cincinnati's pass rush is trying to get back to full health. I know that head coach Zach Taylor said Hubbard is no longer week to week, but day to day trying to come back from that calf injury. I know Hendrickson is playing through a broken wrist. How has the pass rush looked knowing they've been without Hubbard and that Hendrickson is not at 100%? Because Anaruma doesn't blitz a whole lot. No, he doesn't. And last week I thought the pass rush was um, was was pretty good without, without those guys. You know, and then obviously, you know, when you have a broken wrist, uh, it's going to be tough to be able to get to the quarterback. But I, I thought Trey uh, was okay. I, I didn't think he was at on top of his game, and obviously Sam was out. Um, but, you know, these two guys are – they're different than most pass rushers. They're energy guys. These guys are just going to outwork you. They're not going to overwhelm you with speed. They're not going to overwhelm you with power. Typically, you guys know this, the real best pass rushers – are guys that usually have one or two and multiple moves. Uh, but these guys are just energy guys. And that's why you'll see great pass rushers. They look great at the beginning of games and find it tough to close it out because they're usually wiped out and they're tired. These guys are like energizer bunnies. I'm just telling you flat out. And it spreads through the rest of the guys um, in terms of the interior pass rushers. You wouldn't think a DJ Reader would be a good pass rusher. But this guy wrecks your double team on the inside. He gets a great push in the pocket. And that's what allows these guys to use the energy they have coming off the edge. And so the Bengals have multiple players and multiple skill sets, whether it's Joseph Osai um, and whether it's Cam Sample. Uh, they have other guys that lend themselves um, to having really good pass rush. Not great, but just good. They have more hits on the quarterback according to PFF, than any other defensive front. Even though they may be down in sacks, they get to the quarterback and provide pressure at a, at a high ratio. Last one I've got for you. I was watching the uh, New England Patriots hosting the Bengals game last week, and your boy Evan McPherson is struggling a little bit. What, is that a, an ongoing issue, or you know, he comes in and just blows two extra points right off the map to start the game. Is that an issue or has it been? It's become one. Um, and I think it's, it's good to point out because this was a guy that around here in Cincinnati, they started uh, calling him money Mac. You know, he was a guy that was, that was money um, ever since his rookie season one year ago, very confident young man. And, 
It started out at the beginning of the year. Remember, we lost the holder in that week one game against Pittsburgh and holding wasn't quite right. It threw off his timing, so he misses an extra point. Week one, that could have won them the game against the Pittsburgh Steelers. End up going into overtime, and then we end up losing that game. And then he would miss another one here or there. And it was mostly on these extra points that end up impacting and now it's causing him to miss field goals. And some people were pointing to the win that was at Gillette Stadium. And the special teams coaches come out and said, no, it's got nothing to do with the win. <laughs> so, so I, you know, you pointing it out, I think, is, is, is very good. I think it's pertinent. There's no doubt, Steve, you and I both know how kickers can be. One minute, they're locked in. I mean, I just saw Justin Tucker from the Ravens miss one right. a week or two ago. And that never happens. Next thing you know, he misses another. And, you know, the, the, the ego and the confidence, it's, it can be fragile for kickers. It's good when it's good, but when it's not good, man, you and I both know it can go downhill in a hurry. So we just have to wait and see. Yeah, and in a game that may come down to who has the ball last, that could loom very large in deciding this game. Solomon, thanks very much for the time. We appreciate it. We'll catch up with you down the line. Have a happy new year. All right, guys. Take care. Have a happy new year. You too. All right, that's Solomon Wilcox joining us here. Sirius XM NFL radio host, former Bengals defensive back, and also the co-host of the Believe in Bengals podcast network. We want to get back to the tweet sheet to get some more of your thoughts on what you feel is the biggest challenge the Bengals present to the Bills for this upcoming Monday night game. And BJ says, stopping the Bengals' run game. If Buffalo can make them one-dimensional and can get pressure on Burrow, I like their chances. I almost would rather have them run the ball. Yeah. And stop throwing it. Yeah, I don't, <clears throat> that's, right? That's a little old school. I'm. Yeah, you got to – If that, yeah, you want Bur- Joe Burrow to hand it off somebody else. That's yeah. better. Um, it'll, that'll last about two plays at most in a <laughs> row because then there'll be third and ten or third and eight, and you're right back to where you started. Yeah. Uh, that's the, just the way it is in the league. Um, even if they get four yards on a first down run and no yards on the second down run, you're – you're still third and six, and yeah. you're still you're still pass covering these guys. So, yeah, if you can do, if you can stop the run, yeah, you almost want to line up pre-snap and just invite them to run, and then dive in maybe and stop it. But man, oh man, you're not going to make them one-dimensional. I don't think. Shane on the tweet sheet says, "Not beating ourselves. Play tight defense like we have been. No turnovers. No drive killing or drive extending penalties." We show up in all aspects, and no one can hang with us. This is true for the Bengals, KC, the Eagles, doesn't matter. Now is the time to flip the switch. There's something in that. you got to play playoff football now, basically, yeah, right? This is what this he's is saying. a really important game. This, this game says a lot about how, how easy or hard it's going to be to get to the Super Bowl. You win this game, and, and you know, there's no, I know that they play the – Patriots in week 18 but they win this game and get the number one seed think of the dynamic change in just you as us as casual fans watching this game think of how our expectations shift if everybody's got to come to Buffalo and they come in here with the Bills on two weeks rest how the expectations and what you would think about that game how it would change in that moment that's that's a big big swing and that's what this game means. So yeah, if you want to, if you've got a flip to switch, a switch to flip, start flipping it. Right. And the other thing is, if you're the one seed, that means 
the Bengals and the Chiefs are presumably the two and the three. And you won't meet them until you probably you're probably only yeah, and you're yeah, you're, which means you're only meeting one of them. Right. If you're the two or the three seed, you're probably playing both of them. That's correct. To get to where you want to get. So that's the other part of the equation that I don't know if everybody considers when you say, ah, oh, what's the difference between the one and well, the two? Well, you got three. Then you got three games to play. You have an extra game. Yeah. One of them probably would be in in Buffalo. No question. You get a wild card game in Buffalo, but you end up playing. You know, one of those teams like you. If you're the three seed, you end up playing. Right now, it would be the Chargers at nine and six. Yeah. Um, you know, and they, you'd be playing them in Buffalo. That's how about take a week off and let somebody else play those guys. Yeah, I'd be all for that. Yeah, sign me up. Like Cincinnati or or Kansas City would be playing those teams. Yeah. Bonnick on the tweet sheet says Burrow is battle tested and cool under fire. Also, their ability to strike quick with the deep ball. Yeah, he's not throwing the deep ball quite as much, but they certainly have that capability anytime they want to dial one up. So, yeah, there's a lot. You, you got to defend the whole field with this team. Not, not so much because of Burrow's arm strength, but because of all of the weapons that they can put out on the field. And as Solomon Wilcott's pointed out, it's not just Higgins, Chase, and Boyd. You got Hayden Hurst, the tight end, and the Irwin kid that's, you know, coming alive here. Yeah. Um, so it's, it's a handful for Buffalo's defense, for sure. we got to take a break here because we're up against the clock, but Steve and I will be back to close things up with some final thoughts on the tweet sheet next here on One Bills Live. Stay tuned. Welcome back to One Bills Live. Chris Brown, Steve Tasker with you here on a Wednesday, and we want to get some final thoughts from the tweet sheet passed along to you. And Jim... On the tweet sheet says, this is the game where Vaughn could have had a huge impact. Yeah, I mean, these were the games and the reason and the impetus for them going out and signing Vaughn Miller in free agency. We remember the kind of impact he had back in week six in the Chiefs game. Had a big third down sack in the red zone at the end of the game. It was big. And at the end of the game, he forced the interception on. He, you know, helped with Milano. Oh, yeah, with pressure. With pressure. um, yeah, that's, that's big. And I was thinking the exact same thing. This is the exact kind of game where you'd look for a guy to come in and close it. Uh, not that Rousseau, Epinesa, Basham um, couldn't or won't. Uh, but this is, you know, and Shaq Lawson as well. This is where those guys show up, you know. And mm-hmm. uh, it'll be fun to see if they can get it done. That um, They have been playing well, the young, the young guys. They picked it up. Shaq's yeah. had a nice season, too. They picked it up, no question about it. Tom on the tweet sheet says, probably the Bengals' defense. They are ranked close to the Bills in points per game allowed. I will say, if the Bills limit mistakes on offense, they should be okay. Josh needs to take what the defense will give him. Sounds like a broken record, I know, but this game is vitally important. Yeah, there's no, really, like, take a page out of Burroughs' book in this one, right? Don't for, there's no reason to force anything unless you're way down on the scoreboard. Yeah, defensively, um, the Bengals are number nine in points allowed per game, and the Bills are number two. So there's a little bit of a discrepancy there. But, oof, yeah. If you don't turn, if the Bills don't turn it over, they're going to be hard to beat. 
-hmm. their defense is a is a step up from where the Patriots' defense is, um, and that's who you know the Bengals kind of lumped up last week. I just yeah I, I just think that the yeah the Bills are a really good team. The problem is, and we all know because we see it now, the Bengals are too. That's why this is such a huge game. Both these teams at the end of the season are headed to the playoffs, and it's going to be who has the better road to the Super Bowl, and this game's going to tell them who. Yeah, you need it. You need this game. This is this. It's been a while since the Bills had a needed game, except for the fact that been the Chiefs have been chasing them pretty close the whole season. Yeah, so. they've been nipping at their heels ever since they beat them in Week Six. Right. So, yeah, and that's why the race remains tight, and that's why the magnitude of this game is what it is, and. <laughs> We gotta wait the whole weekend before we, <laughs> before they even play it. Right. Um, and all day. I will Monday. say this: we do know, we will know, obviously by Monday, what what the Chiefs did or did not do in their game against Denver. I think everybody's expecting them to win that game, but still, that's why they play them. Sure is. It'll be fun to watch. It's gonna be. It, listen, this is gonna be a long week for all of us. It's gonna be a long weekend waiting for the Bills to play. Uh, it is the absolute by far. Best matchup on the slate this weekend, and the the enormity of the outcome is almost just makes yeah. you crazy. Big show for you tomorrow, including ESPN's Field Yates, the Hall of Famer Thurman Thomas. I'll be out tomorrow, but Chris Trapasso in this seat with Steve. They'll see you at 1.